rules and regulations. Now I hope none of you folks get mad at me. But right here is the only thing we need to get hung up on. I was the world's worst. You put your rings on in my church when I was a young man. You got excommunicated. I turned out 123 members at one time. Pretty good crowd. If you watch TV, that was a no-no. I called that a one-eyed monster. I was the world's worst condemner. I'm glad God saved me and didn't kill me. You love the Lord? Amen. We need to get away from all those hang-up things. Just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Let the Spirit of the Lord take us, mold us, and do with us what he wants. Some people are hung up yet in religions in our world. So hung up. They want to condemn each other because you don't look just like me. Or you don't say the same things that I say. You don't dress like me. God help us. Hallelujah. You love the Lord? Amen. They called a woman. I'm just, I'm just preaching the way I feel in my heart tonight. Because I'm looking forward for a big revival this week. And I'm just, I'm just going to preach happy. You love the Lord? Amen. They called a woman in the act of adultery. And they brought her to Jesus. You know all about the things I'm talking about tonight. They brought her to Jesus. They were going to kill her because the church said we could. We're going to kill her. It was the church. Moses, he, he wrote the laws for the church. He said, we're going to kill her. There's people today that wants to kill somebody if they don't belong to their church. And here's something that's it's really pitiful. I don't know if that's a good grammar word or not. Pitiful. But precious pastors would get up and they'll read and they'll read a verse and say, I can't understand why the Baptists can't see that and the Methodists and all the Methodists. Why can't they see that? There it is as plain as it can be. And at the same time, over in the Baptist church, the Baptist get up and he reads that same verse and said, look at that. It's as plain as it can be. I don't know why them Pentecostal folks can't see that. Just look at that, how plain that is. Every preacher thinks he's looking at it right. Because no preacher wants to die and go to hell. He thinks he's looking at it right. He thinks he knows the right way that means. And he's teaching his congregation that way. And he thinks all them other guys missed it. That's not it at all. The Lord wants us to give him our best. Amen. Just love him. They brought this woman to Jesus. They said the church said we could kill her. But Jesus handled the situation. And then he looked at her and said... Where are thou accusers? She said, I don't have none, Lord. I said, neither do I condemn you. Now, most of us Pentecostal people today would like to condemn somebody like that. But God help us to have so much love that we quit condemning and start helping somebody out of the mess they're in. Let's help them out of the mess, not keep pushing them in the mess. This woman was a married woman. I guess everybody knew that, didn't you? This woman was married. So many of our church people are so mixed up today in our world. Used to, every couple that come to you to get married to the preacher, and they've been married and divorced before, this, now this back in the 50s, I mean, it was 100%. Every couple that come to the preacher to get, 
to get married, and they'd been married before, they'd say, uh, we've been married before, but uh, my wife did this, my husband did this. They went out and they, they, uh, they did me wrong, and, and uh, that's why I'm divorced. I'm getting married. That's why I'm divorced. Can you marry us? No other preacher won't marry us because we've been divorced before. And there ever one says, because my wife uh, committed adultery. My husband committed adultery. Uh, probably you know this. Every church in the whole country frowns upon people getting married in this adultery thing. There ain't no married. The, the, the Bible doesn't say one place in here that you can get a divorce for adultery. And maybe you didn't know that. I'll let you get one. The judge will let you get one. But it's not in the Bible. <coughs> said, any man put away his wife and marry another, save it be for fornication, he committed adultery. He that marries her, put away, committed adultery. He can put her away and marry another if his wife, if this woman committed fornication. But ain't no married woman in the world can commit fornication. Now I can tell we some of you look at me, you didn't know that. It's impossible. Married people, men or women, cannot commit fornication. You have to be single to commit fornication. Married people, when they do the wrong things in those areas, it's called fornication. I mean adultery. Married people commit adultery. Single people commit fornication. And when the Bible is talking about putting away, it's talking about fornication. He that put away the wife, save it be for fornication and marrieth another, causes her to commit adultery. Whoever marries her, adultery is later. It's fornication he's talking about. You love the Lord? But churches have been so hung up on marriage deals, so hung up on makeup, Short hair. Dress is not long enough. Lord, if you just knew how many messages I had on those things. I had one message, a big one, you know. The, the, uh, the see-through window blouse. Every woman had a blouse on. It wasn't too thick. That was my message on Sunday morning. Back in the 51, the, the young girls had a fad wearing dog collars around their Ankles. I don't know whether you girls that old or not. <clears throat> but it, I guess it was a dog collar. It looked like a dog collar. It was a little strap went around the ankle. It was, it was a dog collar, she said. And I remember, I remember I went through the dime store one day, and I, I saw two of my young ladies coming down through the dime store. They were about 16 years old. I looked, and each one of them had a dog collar on their leg. And I didn't say a word to them. But, brother, when I got them in church... I burned their hide wearing dog collars. And I prayed and prayed, Lord, send me some young people in my church. And this before these two girls got there. I had a church packed with people this man's age up to my age, young man to old man. <clears throat> I had a church full of people this age. I was a young preacher, church full of older people. And I'd go down in town and see all these young people going down the streets, you know, 12, 15, 18-year-old boys and girls. Say, God, give me some young people in my church. One Sunday morning, the house was packed, and there was one seat right in the aisle left, middle ways of the church. 
Church door open, beautiful Sunday day. The church door open. Here walked in this young lady. Looked like she just flew in from Hollywood. Looked like she might have been 19 years old. Blonde. Looked like her dress was about four sizes too small. Her shoe heels was about that tall. And she walked through that door, and you talk about strutting. She walked up and sat down in that seat. Her lipstick was so thick, you'd have to take a butter knife and scrape it off. I mean, and her earring, she had some big ones hanging down, and they were singing in, the, in my pulpit. And I saw her sit down, and I, I said, Lord, help them to hurry and quit singing so I can preach. Man, you talk about I want to preach. I felt the preacher. I got the preachers each. I wanted to preach. As soon as they give me a chance, I jumped and grabbed the mic, and I started preaching. I preached that entire Sunday morning message to all that congregation. My text was Jezebel, and I was coming right down on her. Man, that's stupid. I don't care, I don't care who it is. That's stupid. You love the Lord? Amen. Hear the Lord answer my prayer. Send me somebody to get them saved so I have some young, a start with young people. Instead of uh, getting her saved and getting her to know Jesus, I told her how mean and rotten and ugly she was. She got up and went back out the door. I'm so glad God's had mercy on me, Mama. I'm glad God's had mercy on me. You love the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. But this is all over our world. People not knowing. But I tell you, I feel it as much as I'm standing in front of you great people here tonight. I feel that God is going to wipe this stuff away from his people. I believe our minds are going to clean up. I believe we're going to get to the place. Well, we've been so, we've been so hung up that some of our preachers could not have been a missionary, went to Africa where those ladies didn't wear much clothes. We'd have turned around and went somewhere else. I can't build a church out of these people. Jesus, when he come from the tomb, before he went away at Bethany, one day the disciples said, I'm going to go fishing. The other said, I'm going to go with you. And they all went out on the water. And while they was out there on the water, they looked over on the shore, and there stood a man. And they said, that's Jesus. And he said, come and dine. He had a far built and fish already cooked. And they looked and saw this man. Now, this wasn't one man on the boat. I don't know how many of these disciples, maybe all of them, but there was a group of these disciples on this boat. Peter didn't have a stitch of clothes on. Now, I don't know how I can keep him hollering at him right now. All, all I know is nobody hollered at him. He grabbed a fisherman's coat and throwed it around him and jumped overboard and waded to the shore. He couldn't wait till the boat got there. He wanted to hurry and get to Jesus. And I haven't found one place where Jesus ever said, Peter, you ought to have been ashamed of yourself. He just said, boys, come and dine. And I have a strong feeling that every fish on that fire would never was in water. I believe that's the best fish that group ever ate in their life. Miracle fish. Jesus had dinner ready for them. And they all came and ate. 
and there was old Peter just with an old coat spread around him trying to hide himself. But Jesus loved him just as much as he did the others. Didn't even scold him. But just being in his presence made Peter know, I've got to get closer to the Lord. I've got to do better. I've got to move up. Hallelujah. You love the Lord? And all them great men, when the day of Pentecost came, Peter was the first one that jumped up and opened his mouth and started screaming and hollering, and this is it. He preached the first full gospel message. Even though he cursed one time, warned by the enemy's fire, that tells me that we ought not to condemn anybody. Amen. Not slam blast anybody. Just put our arms around people's neck and say, I'm glad you're a Christian. Amen. I'm glad you're on my side. Amen. I'm glad you thinking the way I'm thinking about the Lord. Going to try to make it home. Somebody needs our help. Amen. Somebody needs us. Amen. And we don't need to go out with a chopping axe. We need to go out with the love of Jesus Christ. And I feel that the Lord himself is going to establish inside several people in this revival a forward move. You might say, preacher, I'm going as fast as I can. Well, I am too, but I, I want to go faster. Sister Jenkins, I've got the candle lit at both ends and in the middle, but I am not satisfied with my ministry. I tell my wife, I'm not getting enough done. There's a vision inside of me of some things to do that I haven't got there yet. And I can't be comfortable and satisfied. I'm striving daily. I want to reach a larger quantity of people. I want to reach a major number of people above all that I've reached. I've touched the lives of many thousands. Our, just our paper alone goes throughout the whole United States. Many, many thousands reads it. We have testimonies in there, sinner's prayer in there. But I'm not getting enough done. I've got about 15 revivals already booked ahead of me. They're booked and scheduled. And got two more to put on the book. Talked to a preacher the other day in a black church in Bridgeport, Ohio. He said, I want you to come up our way for a week. I want you to spend a half a week in my church and a half a week in Weirton in their church. That their church is having a church problem. And I told that pastor you could help them. I didn't tell him, that, but I said, thank God. I'm glad some preacher has a feeling I can help. I want people to feel that I can help. You love the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. I went, a preacher called me. I might have said this and that was your last time. I don't know. A preacher called me from Lawrenceburg, Indiana. He said, Brother Swain, I need you in my church. He said, my congregation is very small. He said, I only have me, my wife, and one more lady, three, in my church. He said, I need you to come and preach in my church. He said, will you come? He said, we don't have any money. I said, I'll be there. See, I, my budget is set up. I have to take in $1,000 a week to meet the budget. If I make it fine, if I don't make it, I'll be the Lord on around the corner. You love the Lord? Amen. He said, we don't have any money. I said, that's all right. I'll be there. I went and stayed a week. The offerings for that week was $6.
and I drove out of that town just as happy as I drove in. Thank God I was able to help the man of God, this precious pastor. I, I drove away so happy that I got to do that. Another preacher said, will you come and preach in my church? I said, where's it at? And he told me, I said, sure, I'll be there. What date? I'll be there. And that's the church I told you a while ago. They stuck $6,000 in my coat pocket. When the devil told me in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, you're going down the drain, God will take you around the corner, put you on the rooftop. Amen. You love the Lord? But the man that just goes out seeing how much money he can make in preaching business, I fear that that man will spend eternity in a lake of fire. We've got to go out after souls, then believe the Lord to make, take care of things. You love the Lord? The main thing, thank God, let's lend a helping hand. Barbara will come to the piano. We're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to have a prayer line. We're going to believe God. I'm a happy Christian tonight. I believe in the word of the Lord and I believe in my brethren and my sisters. Some preachers will ask me questions. Hey, what do you think about this? And I know if they're wanting to get into a debate. They say, what about this scripture? What do you think about that? I said, what do you believe about that? I said, what do you believe about it? They said, well, I believe it's bang, bang, bang. I said, well, that's fine with me too. That's all right. God bless you. Go my way. You love the Lord? Amen. We don't have time to fuss and argue with people about a scripture. Let's love Jesus Christ. I have no time to argue, but I have plenty of time, Sister Jenkins, to hold my shoulder out there and let somebody lean on it. I got time for that. Praise God. A lady called me, Cincinnati, wanted me to leave a message. She wanted to leave a message through me to somebody else. I'm standing by the bridge, the Ohio River, right close to the water with my baby in my arms. She said, we want to <clears throat> commit suicide. People do these things. Just before that, a man in Goshen, Ohio, went to the service, married a girl, a foreigner, Brought her back over here. He loved her there. He brought her back over here in that big, huge church in Goshen, Ohio. But there was nobody like her. Nobody looked like her. Nobody talked like her. And this got to bother him, this young husband. He had a baby by her. This young husband told her, said, I don't want to be married to you any longer. I don't want to live with you any longer. I don't want you to be my wife any longer. You're just different from everybody else. This precious young mother didn't know anybody. She's a total stranger in America. Got in her car, so depressed, drove down to a gravel pit that had been worked out and was full of water, a gravel pit. Parked her car, put her baby close to her, put her arms around it, started walking and never did return. Her and her baby. I knew that. And when this woman called me and said, I'm standing by the Ohio River, Cincinnati with my baby I knew this other woman just did it and I said it's about one or two o'clock in the morning I said would you please just wait right there let me come just talk to you a few minutes before you do and I convinced her to wait 
I drove through every red light that got in my way. From Independence, Kentucky, through Covington, Kentucky, I went as fast as my car could go and yet stay in the road. I didn't care how many policemen saw me. I didn't care how many took after me. I was determined to try to save a young mother from going in the Ohio River. Brother, not one policeman said a word. Nobody, I, I was hindered by nobody. And I rushed in there and I jumped out of the car. I went up to her and talked to her in the spirit of God. See, God's spirit can really do things. I allowed God's spirit to touch her heart. She got in my car and I took her to her mother's house. Not long after that, she married a gospel singer. She travels all over the United States now witnessing for Jesus Christ as her husband sings. Hallelujah. I got time for that. I've got time for that. But I don't have time, Carl, to sit down with some preacher or somebody who wants to debate the word of the Lord. My God, if they want to debate, let them get off somewhere in a, a closet somewhere and turn light on and debate with Jesus. Let him do the straightening them out. He knows how to straighten anybody out on any verse. I love you tonight. Let us stand to our feet. <clears throat> Now listen to me closely before we have prayer. There's a strong possibility that in this revival that there are going to be some preachers here that's discouraged. There's several preachers that will be in this revival this week. Preachers many times almost feel like committing suicide and they hide it. Nobody knows it. They keep it hid. And they'll shake hands with you and just smile and say, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. You know, you, you think, my, that person, well, if I ever need help, they can help me because they're feeling great. And right on the verge of suicide. There'll be people here this week that needs anointing, delivered from sickness, a financial blessing. Could be somebody possessed with evil spirits or someone with cancer. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not a a doctor of medicine. The only way people can be delivered in my meetings is the Spirit of the Lord through me and you helping me. If somebody comes through my prayer line this week that has a cancer and I come against that cancer, I don't need to fight all kinds of spirits all over the building trying to fight me so I can't get rid of that cancer. And many people are alive right today that's come through our prayer line that had cancer. Alive right now and well. But when this happens, it takes a great power to destroy a cancer demon. And I need you to lend me all the power you've got. Send it through me. When I'm ministering to somebody, somebody's got a devil in them. You don't need any devils anywhere else in the building contacting anybody else and pulling back. The minister needs all the help he can get, all the reinforcements he can get to come against that demon. So we don't know what's going to happen this week and who's going to be in this audience, 
since this is our first night I'm making these statements, let me count on you. Whatever happens this week, stand by me with all the power you've got. Let the Lord bring forth deliverance. On everybody in this building, move out of your seat.